Thank you so much for tuning in to Motivation and Meltdowns with Terrific Life. If you like what you hear today, don't forget to subscribe, like, and share away. Now, on with the show. Welcome back to Motivation and Meltdowns with The Terrific Life. Today, I'm doing an interview with a fellow working mom and friend, Dr. Courtney Pegram, who is the owner of Pegram Consulting. She has a lot of experience with social emotional needs of kids, with cyberbullying and social media, to learning to finding your passion and building your dream business. She has even she even has parent coaching sessions to help build better relationships with your teens. I'm super excited to sit down with her today and discuss remote learning and other fun topics. Hi, Courtney. How are you? Hi. Thank you for having me on your show. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited you're here. <laughs> so I know I kind of gave a little introduction to you, but if you could kind of introduce yourself, your kid, um, the amount of kids you have, anything like that, so people get a little more information about you and who you are to my audience. Perfect. Yeah, thank you. So um, I'm a working mom. I'm a business psychologist. Uh, so I do a lot of consulting on emotional management, emotional literacy. Uh, I'm almost, I love to say I'm an emotional expert. I am passionate about uh, helping people manage emotions, have better behaviors and habits and thinking processes to help them be more efficient, have a better life, basically. So I do that in the work setting now. In my past life, <laughs> pre-COVID, um, I was a bully teacher and I spent 10 years of my life working in schools uh, to eradicate bullying. And with COVID, we all had to shift. So I took the leap and I uh, shut down Bulldog Solution and I continued on in the corporate setting. So now I do more of consulting, coaching, like you mentioned, like parent coaching, but also executive coaching. So that's like kind of Courtney 2.0. That's what happened. And I have one daughter. Uh, she's seven and she's amazing. And we've been learning a lot about each other during these times. And what grade is she in? Second. Yeah. So for all first grade parents out there, if you survive first grade, second's a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Second was my favorite for my kids. I loved second grade. Yeah, I loved second grade. So I'm just going to kind of roll right into it. I know the topic I wanted on these sessions was for remote learning. So I kind of wanted to touch if you could tell me exactly what are your difficulties, concerns, or struggles with your own child, or maybe something you're even going through in this time with remote learning. So, you know, I always forget to say this, like, I'm also a professor. <laughs> so I've been teaching. I did say doctor. <laughs> yeah. You know, but like, you know, but I'm a psychologist, but I'm also a professor at a university and we had to move all our classes, obviously from uh, on grounds to online. So not only am I teaching online, but I'm also like being a parent. So I'm seeing both sides, which is really interesting. I think I found more compassion. So your question about difficulties. So as a professor from my end, it's expectations are sometimes so high. I have to be the manager of all people's emotions, of content, of homework, of are you okay? And it becomes a lot for one person, especially if you have a large classroom. But then on the other side, being a parent, it's like managing the own expectations of the educator. Like, what, are you, what am I supposed to do? And one of the challenges I had is I felt like my daughter was in these e-learning classes and <laughs> She had entered like flash college where like every 20 minutes they're moving from reading to writing to math and they're transitioning so much within like a small period of time. Like I, I was just, it was too much for me to even figure out her schedule and I, that's on me. But I'm like, why can't they just do things for longer periods of time? Like this is really hard. You know, these, we have these timers in our house and I feel like it's like, it's like a, a bell symphony every 20 minutes, something's dinging. Oh, so those are one of my challenges. With many schedules. Yeah. I had to, I had to sit down and I had to do a whole calendar. So I have like a whole schedule. So it's not just online. Like I actually had 
to physically like I took my whiteboard out. We hung it on the wall for my older son, um, Crispin. We like put it out and we had to like literally like this is Monday through Friday. This is your Wednesday schedule because I don't know. Like besides the bells, I also needed to know like, should he be on a call right now? Like it just kind of I, I couldn't keep going back to the computer because I work. I'm on the computer all day and there's so much coming in that I'm like, I need to have like that visual, like like, oh, like yeah. a, a schedule for dummies. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> like, yes. I don't know. I, excuse me. Hi. Welcome to the University of Dummies for scheduling. Yeah, I have that on my wall too. I have to compare my schedule yeah. and my daughter's. Yeah. You're like, how is this going to work? It's not. So we're just going to roll with it. No. Oh, I know. Well, it works the best, right? So I, I honestly, like, what would you, how do you feel you could improve remote learning? Do I have a magic wand or no? I think you do. Why not? I mean, I guess this is a, this is a magical podcast. <laughs> magical podcast. Um, okay, so I have a magic wand. So what would I do? First, I'd start listening to the teachers. I think the teachers have some great ideas to make remote learning work a lot more efficiently. And I think in oversight, we didn't take, I'm just talking from my opinion, we didn't take everyone into account of like, things should be individualized for actual classrooms versus systematic across the board right? Classrooms that have 25 children is a lot different than a classroom that only has 10. So I think for if I had the magic wand, teachers would have unlimited resources and power to really create the best learning environment for their specific classroom. Without going too much psychology, for every group setting you have, you have a different culture. And I feel like we're trying to standardize something that you can't standardize, right? And so giving empowering teachers and educators to be like, hey, this is going to work for me, like going to start earlier, going to end earlier, and everyone's going to do amazing that way versus me forcing what's going on. So I think less standardization, more creativity and innovation would be with my magic wand. Also, what I would do to help with remote learning is I give tutorials for parents, right? you know, how to open a Google Doc, right? It sounds silly, but like I knew how to do it, but some people didn't know how to do it. And giving more time for parents to understand like, this is how you would make a schedule versus a parent stressed out about like, I've got three kids on three different schedules and I work, right? So a lot of grace I would give too on both sides. Like had the magic wand, I just put it in me like, you know what? You're doing the best you can. You're doing pretty amazing. You've got three kids and you're working and you still got up this morning. Winning. Right. I think we're really hard on ourselves. Well, I think it's very much of a challenge in general. Just like I think, I mean, you know a lot about like diversity and working with kids, even with special needs. You were at CJ's school Mm -hmm. for special needs. So I kind of look at it like, how do you standardize something like that? How can you even look at something with an at home, a, a child that has an at home mom and then a child that has a mom working from home or maybe a mom working outside of the home? There is literally some kids and it breaks my heart in um, my son's class that these kids have special needs and they have no one even helping them like they're by themselves on the computer. Like, so they have no one sitting with them. They have no one helping them, which this is a resource they had. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, like, like I said, what if you have a child living in like a one bedroom house, like, you know, and they have three other siblings, like how, like that learning that, that, concentration like we just took it to like a next level that no one could even imagine like how how do you standardize something like that which I think they're I think I agree with you I think they are trying to do that and you're like I don't see how that's gonna work (laughs) I just can't see it visually I just see it being like I'm usually a positive person but when I see things like that I think organization is really really important but I kind of look at it like oh man this is gonna be a hot mess <laughs> some of these kids, these poor kids are going to be so left behind. Some of these kids are going to 
advance. You know, like my son, he doesn't have to wear headphones anymore. So I feel for the, what is it, the academic part, I think he's thriving, but the socialization He's now, you know, declining. So mm-hmm. I just think there's there's no standardization. And I think every and I think parents want that. But I don't know how that they could even do that. Right. I mean, and you bring up such a good point about like every household is different. The schools I used to work in, like Vaughn was a great school. Love that school. I also worked a lot on the south and west side of schools where families don't have Internet, didn't have like a lot of resources, had a one bedroom apartment and there was three to five kids or they live with grandma and grandma did not even have a, like an iPhone. Like So to go to the point of remote learning, there's been a lot of children that got lost in the system where they're falling way behind. It's taking that into account. What do we do with those children? At the end, when I was closing up Bulldog, and I still do it, like I come in and consult in classrooms for social emotional learning. And a few schools that I still do it for, it was heart-wrenching because, you know, kids are getting really middle school. My jam was middle school. I love those kids. They're great, but just very depressed, sad, isolated, and they had no one. Right. And so, and the teacher or the counselor is with me and these children are like, you know, I just want to end my life. I'm so sad. You can't do anything because there's a screen like you can't, and you can't reach out. You can't text, you have to email. So it's like, we're losing that personal touch, that piece of humanity, right. That wants you like, which I would do in any classroom. If a child is upset, I would bear hug that child, I would like show them love and you can't show love on a screen. And that's, that's getting difficult, I think, for children. I think it is. I think um, I, I do going through this, I have to say, like being a special needs mom, raising a son with autism, like I kind of look at it like a lot of these parents are going through something I went through 17 years ago and have been going through for years. Like my son feels isolated. He doesn't there's not enough social programs for him. There's not this. And now it's kind of coming to it where I've learned to kind of like dance You know what I mean? Like I've already kind of learned to dance in the rain where they're getting just sopping wet because they don't even know what to do. And I think sometimes I think special needs parents do have like that advantage um, because we kind of know what it's like when it pours on your child all the time, you know? So it's a different perspective for me at least, but I could definitely empathize for people where I'm like, no, I know what you're going through. (laughs) Like we're all doing it. But like you said, like right now it's breaking my heart because these special needs kids... Mm they're not getting that love and because they literally they never barely ever get it anyhow like you know what I mean like a lot of these kids could still somehow like form relationships and do things even though they're not in class Mm -hmm. but the special needs kids they're not you know like they're not getting it you know and that was like their only social outlet was school and that was academically it wasn't even like social so they're suffering you know but I but I could empathize it like now everyone's suffering and it's kind of like it puts things in perspective and it I think it helps me become a better person, being able to understand better. And I think you brought up a good point, too. And to all the the parents of children with special needs, my my heart goes out to you because I I was very familiar with Vaughn Occupational High School and I loved it. Right. I love that school. Um, And the resources were incredible there. And the socialization aspect, the teachers, the aides, like you just had, and you, now you're alone with your child, right? And like, you've been working your entire life to get these opportunities for your child. And now you're like, now I have to manage my child's classroom, the emotional needs, my workload. And I don't have the aid, the teacher, like the, like, it's just me. And that's really hard. Like, it's not something, there's no training for that. And I think a lot of people are so caught up in the kids and what they're going through. But it's like, imagine the stress that it is on the parents 
parent or the caregiver. I mean, it's like, I mean, and I'm not just talking special needs, just in general. This is like, this is like making, this is putting parenting at a, like a level that is like Jumanji level. Like, <laughs> we were not, never supposed to have our kids 24 seven ever. Like I would have rethought the whole thing. I'm like, no, I, I feel like I'm out. <laughs> Like, they're never Never. going to leave you. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, no, no, roll the dice. Roll the dice. (laughs) I need them out. I need them at my mom's house. (laughs) Roll the dice. So I think this is also that emotional contact for parents. I don't think we give ourselves enough grace. No. You know, or like self-care. I mean, I could ask you right now what you do for self-care, and I bet you you barely could tell me. Oh, but actually, so. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wait. Oh, no. (laughs) So, let me tell you. So actually, um, because I closed Bulldog, right? So that was really a uh, very, so if, if you, if anybody knew me, they knew and, and you've known me, it was my life passion, my dream, my drive. Like I was a bully teacher and, and I had to, I had to make the difficult decision of closing it down. And as it was one of the, the very, it was a difficult choice of failure. I felt like a lot of emotion. It was a big relief. I found that I let go and I closed a lot of things that new opportunities presented themselves. But also for the first time in 10 years, I had time, right? So we were in over 150 schools. Like I was running five, seven, eight, nine programs a week. Plus I was still a professor and a mom. And and now I like, we started September and I was like, whoa, I don't have 20 assemblies. Wait, what? This week? This fun? Like, um, so I found more time for myself and I really spent a lot of time during COVID to really work on myself. There was a lot of ups and downs, but really some time on working on myself and figuring out like, what is the best for me? Because if I'm at my, my best, I am not doing anyone any favors anymore. So self-care, I do, I do boxing. <laughs> so, oh, I love it. Yeah. You get to Take the crap out of something. It's amazing as a mom to be able to punch people. Like, whoa. <laughs> You're like, yes. You're like, that's right. Close the cabinet. <laughs> Pick up your own towel. You're working uh. late again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, left, right, left. <laughs> oh, man, that's got it. I did that a long time ago. I did hop keto. And I loved it. Loved it. Like it was like just beating the garbage at us. Like just this thing was like amazing. Like, and I'm not a violent person, but then like, I think the one he looked at me, he goes, man, you got a lot of stuff built up in you, huh? <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, is it that obvious? <laughs> Going back to school. So let's pretend you have that magic wand again. And they think you're the most important person in the world. And you could come in and give them an idea of how to o- reopen schools. Mm-hmm. How would you tell, what would be your idea? Hmm. So I love that question. So I have a magic wand. And so I would first so let's go back to my idea of like start stop making everything like across the board systematic and more individual. I think that because how everything proceeded and went down and how things are reopening. I think we can't do everything systematic because nothing is the same. Like Michigan's M- Michigan schools are open. Like, you know, there's, I'm just, I just, cause my friend just started again, Florida and then Chicago, Illinois is different. So we have to do it in phases. So if we could, I think it would do ideally is like kind of that idea. It's a choice for a parent. Right. So obviously, like, do you want to send back or not? And then a choice on the teachers. And the problem is, with without the one, there's going to be a lot of resistance. So if we could redo things into learning pods. So hear me out on this crazy idea. Um, I'm listening. So so how my life has not been total chaos. One, I'm very lucky. Uh, I only I, I do have one child, so I I just have to manage one whole student, which is enough. But I paired up with parents this year and they the the kids are in the same class, so we call it an e-learning pod. I'm sure you've heard of it, where each day we rotate 
houses for children, right? So the morning, we actually have a, somewhat of a babysitter that babysits these, these kids in the morning, and then um, they do the, all their school. And then the afternoon, we rotate between parents and we finish off the school day. So I actually don't have my e-learning pod. And it's only three kids, two days a week. So two days a week, I have a full household of children, but then that gives me long days to get my work done. Right. And my daughter is socializing. So the downside of being an only child is during COVID, it was very difficult for her. She she became like almost an a-hole. I'm sorry to say that. But like, you know, during COVID, like, like Captain Sassy Pants with YouTube privileges, like it was difficult. So now she's socialized with other kids, which is helpful. It's not a big group. We're only three, but it's been working. So if we could do that somehow system of e-learning pods as we go back, right? I don't even know how that would be possible because you need a lot more teachers, but smaller groups learning and then the kids get the socialization, but you're not like 27 kids in a classroom. Yeah, I love that. And I think you're right. I think a lot of parents are desperate and that, that YouTube and their socializations coming from, you know, like you said, sassy pants or like things or terminology or like my my 13 year old came in and like swore. And I'm like, oh, I don't know who you think you are today. Like, <laughs> like you better you better go back in and bring my Ben back out because I'm about to lose it. Like, right. <laughs> we're done. But they're, it's TikTok, it's YouTube, it's, uh. you know, whatever. But that's where they're getting their socialization from. And I don't think adults realize that as much. Um, I mean, I realize it, but people posting on those things, I don't think they realize mm-hmm. that kids are really absorbing it, especially right now. That's their socialization. Right. It's scary as it is. It is. Like, yeah. yeah. My, my, my child's best friend is YouTube. That's super right every every mom's dream yep add it to the list well at least you at least you don't have to buy him birthday gifts (laughs) let's find it on youtube um you're fine just find it google it but i just wanted to expand on the idea of the e-learning pods like if we if i had my because i think this is it sounds like irrealistic what i'm talking about but think about all the students that are going to be teachers or educators in school right now if they could finish their credits by teaching small pods, right, in schools, like internships, so that we didn't have, like, and you could rotate them in and out of school. I know there's the cleaning and stuff, but but see, like, this is just me sharing my idea with you. Imagine if we put all our brains together, what we could do to make things a lot easier for going back to school. Like building it up even more. Like somebody Mm -hmm. could take your idea and it's like, here's the ball. And then you go and you make that. It's like the rubber band ball. You know, you put like one rubber band on and then I give it to you and you'd put a rubber band rubber band on it. Next, next, before you know it, we have this huge rubber band ball that is of all these ideas and a great, you know, formulation of what we should do next or at least ideas. Right. Because you could be like, oh, I, you know, my friend knows all these interns for education that are looking for opportunities. And typically I'm just saying from my opinion that I've known like younger students and masters or even undergrad programs are not as fearful as the virus and like are willing to take on jobs or opportunities. And I'm just saying from my circle, what I've noticed, because I I've used to, when I worked with Bulldog, I had a ton of younger people working for me and there's they found part-time jobs they're working at restaurants and so it's not crazy but if we don't talk about ideas and start doing something with people's ideas and nothing's going to work but the e-learning pod has worked save my life like it's been really a blessing especially especially for parents that have to work and stuff yeah yeah especially like our you know anybody you know healthcare per- workers and grocery store workers like them having something like that could really help them out. Right, no, I understand you build that. your schedule then. So like every week our schedule is a bit different because we all have different schedules. And the thing is like, I've had not parents, 
I've had parents have comments like, oh, I can't believe you're doing this. But I'm like, the kids are together anyway, right? And our families are together anyway. So we've just kind of expanded and we're all trying to be as safe as we can. But also the kids aren't exposed to all these different children. They're always together. The cool part is like being social, but being like an expert when it comes to emotional management and SEL, like social emotional learning. And watching the kids really deepen friendships and understand each other and get to know each other um, because they're always together. And it's two girls and a boy. And it's it's really cool to watch the development. And he and like my daughter is the sweetest girl you'll ever meet. And her friend has a lot of self-confidence. They're working off each other where the daughter, the, the, the other girl is becoming very sweet. And my daughter is like standing up for herself. And I don't know if they were not that situation, if that would be the type of trans, it's almost a transaction of social emotional learning that's cool to watch. Yeah, until they both want the guy, the boy. <laughs> We've talked about that. <laughs> it's like I like because in the end, you know, girls are girls' worst enemy. <laughs> uh, and then it's a redo of Dawson's Creek. Here we go. Yeah. Well, hopefully one of them could sing at least. <laughs> Make it more dramatic. <laughs> okay. What is a positive thing you can take away from remote learning? So, as a parent, what can I take? Uh, I like I, I I have so much compassion for teachers. Like, obviously, I worked with teachers for years before I did a lot of professional development and stuff. And, and, but I just remember last year, my daughter's first grade teacher, I just had so, I'm like, how she could have 29 kids who had never been on a Google classroom to get onto mute and then like manage that classroom. I was like, wow, you are a superhero. And I never saw that. Now you get to see it. I got pretty see awesome. it. Pretty awesome. And you know what I've learned too? It sounds silly, but even yesterday, Halloween, we are creative creatures. <laughs> like we come up, you know, you give us a problem, we might complain, bitch, but we figure things yep. out. Like, yeah, yeah, most people do. Most people do. Some will always be in the negative mindset, the negative, every everything's gloom and doom. But majority of us humans are pretty amazing. We'll we'll do what we have to do to survive and make the best for other people. Right, make the best. I mean, these candy shoots. I mean, it sounds silly because it's just right after Halloween, but these candy shoots that these neighbors put together so children could have a a good, happy Halloween warm my heart. Teachers. Teachers were dressed up on Zoom in their house having Halloween parties. Like kids, yes. So I, I've learned that we are extremely compassionate when when we're like and kind and creative, and that we mode. It's yeah, that was beautiful to watch. Yeah, whenever we're in kind and creative mode, it, it just it. it we really do. Our, I always say like when it, we're kind of compassionate and we think of others, like that's when our light shows the best. You know, the light within us, it just shines and it brings other people. Maybe it doesn't bring everybody, but I can tell you now, like it does. It attracts people and it and it's a ripple effect where maybe next year you might have, you know, if we're in the, God forbid, please, this is knock on wood. I don't even know. But like if we're in the same scenario, you know, hopefully we're not. But if we are this year, there was five people with shoots. You know what I mean? But maybe next year there'll be hundreds. You know what I mean? It's a ripple effect. Maybe somebody will even come up with something better and more ideas. Like I said, that rubber band ball, they're going to just keep building onto it and it's going to be, and it's going to make us that we become better from it, I think. Right. And I'm positive, but. (laughs) But it's like learning, right? We're learning to deal with chaos and really rebuild our own structure and our, what, what, what we want as for ourselves to make it through this. And yeah, and and personally, as a special needs mom, I learned you have to swim with the current. You can't swim against it. 
I mean, it's, it, I mean, I can't tell you how many nights I tried to swim. I wanted to fight. I wanted to say, no, this is how I'm going to do it. And I'm going to keep. And it was I was drowning. I was just drowning. And and once I realized if you go with the flow and you start swimming with it, it's just wow. Like it just goes so much better. And I'm waiting for more people to see it that way. Like I'm like, guys, stop the current. Like you're going to all get sucked under. <laughs> it's like, look at me. I'm doing the backstroke. It's just lead. <laughs> Yeah. So, okay. As a working mom, what have you learned or what tools have you used to help you be able to keep organized or keep your life manageable? I love that question. Um, so a few things. So what I've learned, so I really got into meditation. I know it's like, it's, it it sounds, I don't want to be like that person. Like, Oh, like I'm so Zen. No, I lose it all the time. I have a short temper. Um, I might be great as a social emotional learning teacher, but I, as a parent, I yell, like I don't, I'm not super calm Zen, but I found that human. Yeah, I'm human. And I have a high level anxiety. So, um, which I didn't know (laughs) until I started meditating and I was like, Oh wow. Like so different than everything that's going through my head. So meditation has helped me a ton and I don't do it every day, but I do it between at least three to four times a week, at least five to 15 minutes, but sometimes just a minute. So breathing for me was a big thing. Like I realize when I get really anxious or stressed out or tech fails, tech for me is like a big trigger. I forget to breathe and emotions just flow into me. And then when I start breathing, I can release emotions and be like, this is really not the end of the world. It's going to be okay. Right. So learning that the breathing techniques has helped me a ton. I think strategies like for organization, I would say I use color code coding in my calendars. Um, and I match my calendars to my family so that blue is work, pink is personal, you know, purple is homeschool stuff. So color coding has been really important. And when you do task lists, like you make your to-do list, I make it buckets. So this is teaching. Like, so as a teacher, this is work, this is personal, this is bills versus putting it all summed together. So those are some things. And I use a ton of apps that kind of help too. Um, to manage workflow. Nice. I like that. Okay. Did you have another woman along the way that has mentored you or have someone that has helped you on your working mom journey through life? This is a time to give them like a shout out. So I do. However, she's, she was my mentor and she's the one that actually created like what, what the life that I have now. And I owe her a lot. Her name is Dr. Nancy Newton. And she passed away uh, three or four, no, actually five or six years ago now. So I, I give her a shout out to the universe. Yeah, it'll work. And She's the one that taught me how to meditate. She taught me how to write. <laughs> she got me through my dissertation. And even though um, she never was a mom herself, she was extremely motherly to me. And she was like my second mom. And um, I'm grateful for her because I don't think if I wouldn't have learned the lessons she taught me earlier in, in my life, in my career, that for me, COVID would have been such a learning experience. It, it would probably be more disastrous. I would have been, there have been a lot more wine in the halls, I would say. <laughs> then if yeah. I, yeah. so 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 dr nancy newton has been in the biggest influence in my life i love that yeah no well you know they all women i think there's i that the reason why i asked that question is i just feel like going through this like a lot of times women don't like to ask for help but we forget that as much as we are our biggest enemy sometimes usually it's a woman that is the one that usually helps us along the way yeah. so it's kind of like a double-edged sword so i'd like to focus on that more than the yeah the negative of women not getting together or how we actually help each other and, and that's you know I thank you. And I just want to, I just remembered a quote she used to tell me all the time. And I think it applied to what you were saying as far as women is you don't, 
You don't have to do it all in one day. You don't have to save the world in one day. You got plenty of time. So just take it step by step. And like sometimes when we get overwhelmed with work, school, relationship, marriage, like all this stuff, we forget to be like, yeah, you don't have to figure it all today. You can just be like, I'm out. See you tomorrow. Because tomorrow yeah. we'll come. It's like I fold, I put away laundry today. That's all I did. And you know what? That's good enough today. Like, <laughs> And that can be a huge win, right? It's like we forget that we, yeah. we're managing a lot. Yeah. We're managing more than any woman, even in the past, has ever managed. You know, it's like when you're working and you're going through it, it's like, okay, so I got to think of, let me get this straight. I have to now work all day, take care of like living beings. And now you want me to feed them every day too <laughs> and clean up after them and run errands and pay bills and do that. It's just, it's just so much where like years ago is like very divided. Mm hmm. It was like, you make sure this and this is taken care of, and I will take care of this and this. And now it's like, you got it all, right? <laughs> I'm like, just like, sure. sure. Oh, while you're at it, can I hand you one more plate to carry? Like, you're just like, sure, I got it. I won't drop anything. And when you drop, when we drop something, we literally feel like failures. But no one was ever meant to hold that many plates, ever. So how do we get upset by breaking one? You know, it just, we're, that's where grace comes in, I guess, right? <laughs> right. So what advice? What advice would you give to a new mom going back to work or a mom going back to the workforce in general? Work on your self-esteem. Work every day on your self-esteem. Because I wish I would have woke up 10 years ago when I was in my 30s and been like, wow, you are incredible. You are smart. You are powerful. You are successful. Because it took me so long to understand those lessons and those. And if I would have done the work, I wouldn't have been so hard on myself when I dropped a plate and made that plate. The, my It was nothing else mattered, but that plate I dropped, not the 10 things I was carrying, right? Yeah. Isn't it funny? In your 30s, you do. You feel like you'd go through it. Now I'm in my 40s and it's like it breaks. And I'm like, I probably could make a mosaic out of that. <laughs> Let's make something for the wall. You know, It's like it's not as horrible as it was. And you're absolutely right. I think it's, it's probably self-esteem. I never even thought of it that way. Like, I think maybe just through the years, I've just gained more self-esteem. Right. That it others doesn't others opinions don't matter as much as they did. Right. And you said it, you said it too. Like you, you, you're, you're, you're swimming with the current. You stop fighting battles that were out of your control. You couldn't win. You're like, see ya, let me have a good swim. Right? <laughs> That's simple. Yeah. But we want to fight. We're natural fighters, I guess. Yeah. So I think the self-esteem is huge in it. The way, like, I, I just want to give one practical tool of how to do it is Set a timer for 10 minutes each day. Start doing affirmations. So I teach these in my classes and my sessions of like, do the alphabet. So come up because then you make it a game, you make it fun. And we're really good at games in our heads. I'm just talking for moms. Like we make up all these stories and these scenarios in our head. So if we could do the alphabet in our head, then it keeps us busy for 10 minutes. And what you do is you do affirmations that start with the letter of the alphabet. So I, it could be like, I'm an author, I'm an athlete, I'm brave, I'm bold, I'm beautiful, I am caring, I'm creative. So you go down the list with the I am statements for 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. You have to believe in what you're saying. So if you really don't believe that you're creative or that you're beautiful, try something more simple. I'm cute, right? Go until you believe it. And then as you continue doing it, you're going to start owning those things. So when another woman or another person gives you a compliment, you don't dismiss it. You're like, oh, thank you. Yeah, I agree. And that's the start of the build of the self-esteem, which really empowers you. And you can have so much more control over your life. That's very hard, the acceptance. I've always been. Somebody compliments me and I'm like, oh, stop. Yeah, like, like, no, 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 I'm not. I'm not. You know. And now I've been, I don't agree with the statement, but like, I'm at the point now that I could thank somebody for the statement. 
like, thank you so much for saying that, you know, and I don't counter with something else like being sarcastic because that's my go-to, my my defense mechanism. You know, somebody says something nice. I'm like, yeah, you should see me on a bad day. Like, you know, it's like, no, like just say thank you. Just say thank you. Like, it's okay to be humble and just say thank you. You know, you worked hard. But I actually lay, I love that you said the affirmations and I, I do it in the morning. Like before I wake up in the morning, I lay in bed with my, and I count backwards from 20 down. And in my head, I think of what I have to say. And I say, like, I'm basically kind of in my head, I'm like, you're going to be great today. You're going to know what you need to do when you need to do it. Give yourself grace and you're going to own this day. And I do that almost every morning. As silly as that sounds, <laughs> people are like, I'm not doing it. Today. But I have to, like, I have to have and until, and sometimes I repeat it. Like, if I feel like I don't believe it, I'll count another 20 down. Like, no, like, you did not mean it that time. Like you were like, you just said it. And then you were like, but I really don't want to get out of bed. You know, I'm like, no, do it again. And then get out of bed. Because now you have to own that. Like, you know, and it's very hard to go from that. But I, I do it. And, and it and it has been like a changer for me. I know. I know. And it's it's like, it takes you what, maybe two, three minutes, maybe five on a harder day, maybe 10. But that's it. And it's in your head. No one else knows you're doing that. You're not putting it on social media. You're not sharing this like and we don't even give ourselves that much time of our day to be like, I'm important enough to work on my inner self, the one that's going to be strong that like, you know, and this helps us get over some of the biggest things is when you own who you are. And especially in this time, like going back to work, if you're a working mom, or if this is all new to you or these changes, if you are not in rooted in who you are as a pit person, it's like, you're just going to weeble wobble through things. And that's really hard. So if you, you have to own it, if you're going back, you have to own it. Don't, don't complain about it. Don't bitch and moan about it. Like, or like be scared or like talk about all the negative. I'm not saying that it's not there. I know I people, well, I'm not naive. I know, you know, I'm a realist and I know there's people that are more defensive when I say that, but it's not about that. It's more of a self-talk. You know what I mean? Like if you, and I really do believe your thoughts are ripple effects. So if you're only talking about the guilt you feel, if you're only talking about how you hate going to work every day, or if you always talk about that, like it, you're not owning what you have to do. And I sometimes feel like that makes the situation that you're in even worse. And then it just like screws with your mental psyche. It, it's to the point where you don't even feel good enough, like you should be doing something else and then you feel lost. And I, I just think it's like this whole ripple where I'm like, when people complain and they, I'm not saying you're not justified to do it. I'm just kind of like, shh, <laughs> like, you know, think about something positive that happened today. Like something that you did, you have to get out of that negative mindset. So yes, I the self-esteem the owning it. I think it's, it's, it's all one thing. So I love that. Thank you for giving that advice. I love it. <laughs> okay. So lastly, what is your mom meltdown story? So we're now you could look back and laugh, you know, it's, it's like, we, we want to keep it light, but I mean, just kind of like, we all have that mom breakdown where our eyeliner is on, you know, smeared on our face, you know, and we're just like, I don't even know why I'm crying. So tell me what your mom meltdown story is. <laughs> I think it was during COVID. Um, I was trying to move everything online for my company before I close on Bulldog. A lot going on. I was doing these daily videos to help parents kind of deal with COVID because I'd lost all my school. So I was trying to still be there for my community. Um, there's the first time that school was online, right? So teachers weren't really knowing what they were doing. Parents, we had this expectation list. And I think, so this is very personal, but I feel like a lot of parents can relate. I, I put a lot of pressure on my daughter to perform well and she was struggling with reading and I grew up feeling like teachers would tell me I was stupid like 
and I because I couldn't read and write properly. So I was being triggered by that, right? And then so I'm just piling to see like how this meltdown happened. So so I'm laughing because it gets ridiculous. So um, we are trying, we're on e-learning. I'm trying to teach her how to learn. And we came across Common Core Math. So there was, I think it was Billy and William, and they had they had to they had eight pencils, and then I don't Billy had five, and how many pencils do you have total? And I gave the answer, my answer was wrong. I was like, well, that don't make sense. Like, who's hiding pencils? And I started like losing it over Common Core math. And mind you, like I do have a doctorate, so it's not like I'm I had to somehow pass math at some point in my life. So totally lost it. Yelled at my daughter and <laughs> told her that. She needs to find a new sub. And my husband walked out, like walked in from work. And I said, you know what? I am just fully done. Like I am over. I quit. I don't want to talk to anybody anymore. And I said, you can take the common core math and shove it. I was still on Google Classroom. So I was someone. Yeah. So um, some people saw that meltdown. Oh, The camera was still on. Oh, no. Was it the teacher or just kids? Uh, I think it might oh, have yeah. been children. Yeah, there might have been. Yeah. <laughs> so you're like, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I've been caught on camera so many times when I shouldn't have. Like as a professor. <laughs> and then Somebody as, will give her a hug. <laughs> yeah. So me just going on my high horses, how I should understand common core math and like yelling at my, and yelling at my daughter, like, you know, and then realizing that I didn't shut off the Google Meets thing. So you're like, I'm sorry I had a moment, but you know what? I love it because it makes you human. And I think a lot of women don't want to share those stories and it's, but we all have those stories where we just go nuts. And I love that other people saw your meltdown. I mean, not that <laughs> I just find it hysterical. Because what do you do? Like, what do you even do when somebody's like watching you? Like, you're just like, I mean, it's like, it's like the, it's like, you're so angry, but then all of a sudden you're, you had to be like mortified at the same time. And you're just like, I'm, oh no. Like, so where's that? How do we, end? this is not like Zoom. How do we end this? Like, how are we? <laughs> and so my daughter, yeah, no. tears was like, mom, I need to show. I was like, oh my God, this is just getting worse. So yeah, it was like, kind of like that movie, the Christmas story where the kid's like, it was the soap. You're like, it was the common map. <laughs> It broke me. It broke me. It broke me. It broke me. My sister and I still talk about common core math. Like maybe it's because we're Canadian and they didn't have that. But I'm like, can you just use your fingers? Like what happened to that? Can we just carry a one? Let me carry the freaking one. I'm going to take those blocks and I'm going to like, I don't know why there's all these blocks. It's just very confusing. Yeah. It's like they made it more difficult, but you know what? I I don't know. I don't think I'm going to change that overnight, but I love that. And thank you for sharing your stories with me. Thank you for the advice. Thanks for discussing remote learning with me today. You honestly have such a beautiful soul. And I thank you so much for joining me today, but I do love you. And I, I, I love that you were, were able to cut out some of your Sunday for me and that's it for now. And we'll talk soon. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. 